Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. This is our Southridge member podcast that helps give the inside scoops on the life of our church. And uh, I'm excited to be here with a good buddy and uh, becoming longtime or longer time staffer around our church. Some of you from Welland and Vineland may not know him, but if you're from St. Catharines, uh, he's become kind of a fixture around our community. Uh, Dave Nelder, say hi, Dave. Hello, everyone. How are you? Uh, it's going to be super fun for us to be able to hang out here. Uh, so help kind of orient all of us to a little bit of just your own story, your own background. Start with where you're from and kind of how you ended up in the life of our community. Sure. Um, I'm originally from Newfoundland, uh, born and raised. Uh, moved to Ontario uh, in 1990 on July 1st uh, with my family. Um, yeah, and just uh, a different change of pace. Uh, my father got transferred, so I had an opportunity to move up uh, up this way. So I took the the dive and came up, and has never looked back. Um, so yeah, it's it's a blessing that uh, we left a rock, as you say. <laughs> just so everyone's clear, Newfie jokes are in bounds with you. Is that <laughs> correct? Right. That is so true. <laughs> you're, you're usually the one making them, so. Yeah. We have a laugh about that. And uh, talk about how long it's been since uh, you connected with Southridge and give us a bit of that narrative. Yeah, I uh, I ended up as a resident at the shelter back on May the 6th, 2013. Um, I was struggling for years with uh, some uh, childhood trauma, PTSD, and uh and just some uh, addiction issues that I never resolved, and uh, life took a turn many years after, and uh, and I struggled with my mental health uh, extremely, and uh, yeah, I ended up at the hospital here in St. Catharines. Um, never been in this area before. My parents live in Welland, and uh, on my day I was leaving, they uh, said uh, I had to go to safe beds, but. For some unknown reason, uh, a nurse came uh, from the other end of the room and said, oh, hold on, Dave, let's uh, make some other arrangements. And she came back about 10 minutes and said, uh, they're going to save a bed for you at Southridge. So on May the 6th, uh, at about 6.37 at night, I stayed in the parking lot there in my uh, van for about an hour, just, uh, you know, figuring out what I was going to do with my life, uh, pretty much going down a dead-end road uh, with shame and guilt and, and just... Um, not feeling worthy of, of living anymore. So uh, luckily that nurse got a hold of me and uh, sent me to Southridge and uh, things have been 360 ever since that day. Yeah, you kind of never looked back. Um, describe for, mm -hmm. for us like what it was like residing in the shelter. What, what, what was that experience like? Well, I remember the first night uh, the gentleman, um, actually your mother, Sue, um, was at the front desk. And uh, when I finally made it in, I was just crying and stuff. And she took me aside right away. So we had privacy. And and this was probably one of the first times I ever told anyone my full story because I was uh, just done with life in general. And, and uh, all I can remember was Sue just looking at me and saying, Dave, things will be okay. Things will be okay. Um, and then that night uh, when I was going to bed, uh, young gentleman, Mark McDermott, took me down and made my bed for me. And I'm thinking, here's this young gentleman who's sh kind and caring and compassionate and uh, making my bed for me when I said I, I'd make it myself. And I just went to sleep that night thinking, you know what? I think I'm in the right place. Like mm. there was no judgment, no anything. And it was just, 
And from that day on, the whole community was super supportive and caring and understanding. And um, yeah, that's it's, it's made it a life changing experience for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, in the last couple of years, you've been in some on again, off again uh, roles on our staff team. That's what we're going to ultimately focus on in this conversation. Yeah. Uh, your newest role, but talk about that that journey of. Uh, ending up on our staff team in the shelter. Yeah, yeah it was uh, quite amazing. Like uh, I was a social volunteer after my stay at the uh, shelter where I was pretty much here every day for about two years, as much as I could be, just lending support to residents and staff if I could. And then finally I had the opportunity to work part-time at the front desk. And uh, and I think that was my calling, like uh, to serve and, and to give and uh, – but in my case, there was uh, I got a little uh, too involved in it and took on too much, um, I wouldn't say responsibilities, but too much with the clients and the residents and our friends of the community where I just got burnt out a couple of times real quick and uh, just had to step back for a bit and regroup and then retry it again and regroup. But um, it's very demanding um, when you're uh, when you're serving in the community. Uh, the brokenness and stuff, and it just uh, tore my heart apart knowing that, uh, you know, you want to help these people uh, have a better life and give them hope that uh, things will get better. Hmm. Well, one of the things we've observed, especially in our our shelter staff, is, you know, for many of them, they've ended up on staff, uh, typical to a lot of different roles in our church, because they're kind of promoted from within, meaning, you know, we just free up more time for them to do what they're already doing as volunteers. Yeah. But, you know, often in the, in the shelter, this has become a way of life for a person, you know, volunteering and, and, and being friends with residents. And so then when they, when they find that as a, as a paid role, you know, now all of a sudden what they do in their spare time and what they do for work are the same thing. And there's just no, in that sense, no reprieve from it. And so, you know, you're all in with your heart and your friendships and, you know, it can be, it, it, like you said, it can be so overwhelming and exhausting sometimes that it's, that's a whole different conversation is how to navigate some of those boundaries and, you know, yeah. providing some places for rest and input so that you can be effective in, in providing care and output as well. Yeah. yeah and that's one thing I've, uh, I think I've handled a little bit better this time. Um, I've, I've got more supports in place that when I feel that like I'm struggling, I can go to them or even they notice it right away. So I don't hide things as much and, and things lighten up the load pretty quick. So um, I've got a great team that I work with, great leadership, great teammates, um, and even residents help me out as much as well. Uh, Dave, just to get some comments, I mean, obviously because of your story, both as a resident and a staff member, uh, you're a fan of the Southridge Shelter. Well, I'll assume no. that. <laughs> what, what, what would you say to someone listening who might not be as familiar with our shelter ministry, like what's so special about what God's doing there? It's the connections that we meet with people. Um, You know, people come in, um, they're broken, uh, they're down and out, they feel like they're not loved. Um, And just the support that we can give them and and just show them the love that's there for them. Um, It was given to me. Um, by all the staff at that time, and uh, it's given out today by every member of the shelter staff. Uh, first and foremost, we're we're there for them to support them in any way we can, and just let them know that there is hope. 
Um, you know, a lot of people are struggling right now with COVID and not having their supports away from families and stuff. And, um, and to me, this is one big family, uh, staff and residents. Like, What, uh, I mean, from a staff perspective, you know that there are somewhere in the neighborhood of, I think, 28 different agencies across Niagara that yeah. kind of rally together to try to effectively serve the homeless. What's the difference or what's unique about the, the contribution that our Southridge shelter makes? Well, in the shelter system itself, it's, you know, it's supposed to be an emergency shelter system, you know, here for 30 days and, and hopefully move on and stuff. But right now we, we've got like um, supports from OW where our coaches are involved in uh, that, getting people navigated with their finances. Um, you know, coaches do a great job helping find um, housing or apartments uh, for these residents to look at and go out of their way. And also now as well, we've got uh, Dr. Stobie, um, who's available on call and, and here through video chats most of the time to look after the needs of, of uh, people that uh, are struggling with their health uh, prescriptions or so on. So that's one less thing they have to worry about. And, um, you know, before all COVID started, we had um, a team member from CASA on help with the addictions that would come in on Fridays and connect with the residents too. So it's all like a one-stop shop sort of thing mm-hmm. where uh, all these things are available any given day uh, where some of the other agencies are more just like uh, you know just a bedding and stuff three meals a day showers and stuff which is great but the, we also have got the support system in place to to navigate people um, to move forward yeah and that's important for our our hearers to understand obviously you've talked about it already like the the love of Christ that plays out in relationship is a, is a defining feature of our shelter, what we describe as friendship that makes a difference. But the other way that we navigate or, or leverage the power of relationship is with other agencies and have begun to really become kind of a hub for a bunch of these different agencies to pool these resources together to provide a kind of comprehensive care and support that is very rare in, in the shelter the sheltering and emergency hostile system, uh, often these agencies function as kind of islands unto themselves, but we've been better together and are getting better every day, it seems. Yeah, it's just so beneficial to, uh, you know, to our residents to, to be able to make a phone call from OW. And if they have any questions, we have a coach here on staff Monday to Friday that can answer that question and get it done back instead of the resident going all the way to OW and then all the way back and just time consuming and, and the frustration of not getting answers quick. So yeah, coaches for sure play a huge part in, uh, in the shelter system along with the staff that also can do some of this as well to take the pressure off the residents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dave, you, you mentioned COVID uh, and obviously things have been challenging for everyone during the season of pandemic, but how has COVID made operating our shelter uh, way more difficult than we've ever imagined? Well, first and foremost, like we, we miss our volunteers at the shelter. Um, you know, we, we have some incredible volunteers that come in and work the front desk, social volunteers and uh, kitchen volunteers. So not having them around to support the staff 
uh, during these busy times with uh, region uh, imposed sanctions of of, of residents yeah. and what's Yeah, that's a restriction, whatnot. right? That that yeah. we had to reduce this just to staff only to reduce yeah. exposure of people. Yeah. So yeah. So and uh, you know a lot of the residents here have. Uh, you know, been here for, you know, three, four months now because they're limited of what they can go look at houses because of COVID. Um, you know, a lot of them are just struggling with mental health and addictions. They're not getting the supports they're getting. So the staff is uh, trying to deal with that as best they can. And they're doing a fabulous job uh, trying to support the residents that are in those needs. But um, yeah, it's definitely a lot different. Um, you know, yeah, the some changing level. policy too. I know, you know, yeah. when it comes to admission and when it comes to accountability of residents, how we try yeah. to promote a safe environment and promote recovery, uh, you know, that's being kind of challenged and it's, yeah, a, it's from a tiring a, time. Going from a dry shelter, uh, which zero tolerance for uh, for any type of uh, addiction or and people struggling. Um, right now, there's... Um, because of the no movement between shelters and, and the limited uh, housing options right now, we've got to let people in that are struggling with their addictions and it causes a bit of uh, friction between uh, the ones that are trying to get through recovery and the ones that are, are coming in and, uh, you know, struggling real hard. So Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, in this regard, specifically around the unique challenges of, of COVID that are kind of intensifying things, uh, how would you say our, our church could pray for and support particularly our shelter staff during this crisis? You know, we've, I've got a life group that touches base with me once a week and just so supportive too, but it takes a, a whole community to, to gather around the, the shelter right at this moment. Um, just pray that, uh, you know, our residents needs are met. Um, pray that, uh, you know, they they know they're loved. Um, a simple email to staff just saying, you know, we appreciate uh, all the work you're doing. Even cards sent to residents, little donations or something just to cheer people up in this tough time. Um, yeah, there's, you know, standing behind what our goal is. And, you know, our, our slogan is uh, friendships make the difference. And I've seen that firsthand for the last seven years. And and with COVID, we can't have those social volunteers, but just a simple uh, email or a card dropped into certain residents if just to cheer them up and uh, even the staff members. Yeah, that's great and helpful to all of us who are who are listening yeah. today. Um, hey, one thing that I wanted to get into, we've had uh, some podcast discussions recently about the dynamic of this three-year funding window that we're in um, through, I would say, some favor with the regional government where, where we've received funding for some increased capacity to serve the homeless. And it's it's kind of expanded us beyond just providing that emergency hostel and being able to do a few other things to support the homeless. Um, so far, how have you seen this to be good news for our shelter? To me, this is what Southridge is all about. Is It's reaching out and getting into the community outside the shelter system. Um, yeah, so it's, I've seen nothing but positive things come from it. And just even with talking with our teammates and stuff and just the glow on their faces and, and the opportunity to serve and, and do more uh, outside the churches is, is so great. 
just for for our uh, listeners clarity i'm going to uh, throw out some phrases or some words that represent some of the different ways that we've received uh, additional funding in this uh, three-year window and i want you just to comment on what what this function does and what it what it kind of means for us as a church to be able to serve the homeless better okay yep. so start with the word outreach outreach is uh you know, is a passion of mine as well. Um, just being out in the community, uh, working with the, the marginalized and, and meeting their needs daily, dropping off food, communicate with them, pray for them, uh, and just know that they're loved and supported and there's no judgment or, or anything. Um, and know that the, once COVID's over, the shelter's available for drop-ins and stuff so yeah outreach is a huge huge asset to yeah that's a pre-shelter role isn't it yeah right before someone's in a shelter we actually can now go and reach out to you know people living under the bridge or living in the woods or you know on a park bench and and connect with them right you know kind of in the challenges that they're facing and and help them uh, journey from there another phrase is the phrase diversion talk about that yeah yeah that's um it's been going on now for I think for the last year it's where uh, when somebody comes in for an intake um, you know we have a, a diversion worker who will sit down with them hear their story and see if there's any way possible to make connections for them uh, with family or friends so they don't have to be in the shelter system um, and I think this is really important even when myself when I came I, I would not go to my parents place or I wouldn't do anything because of the shame and guilt and the embarrassment but um, with the diversion worker, Rachel, she's uh, connecting a lot of these people that come in and connecting them with family and friends that pretty much had no idea what they were going through or how bad it was. So this is helping build relationships back with uh, family members and friends and, and connecting these uh, people so they don't have to stay in the shelter system and, uh, and be looked after by friends and family. Hmm. Uh, the after hours phone line. Yeah, that's uh, another project uh, or, yeah, that's been going on for a bit where, uh, you know, after hours, uh, we've set up with the region to where they can uh, phone in the after hours line. If if all the shelters are full, we have access to what's available um, so we can uh, put them up in a motel until the next morning and hopefully get a shelter for them or talk to a diversion coach um, and see if we can get them safe and stuff instead of being out in the uh, in the elements throughout the year. And you've mentioned the roles that we've had with coaches who are system navigators, and then the ministry that we've had for the last number of years called Housing First that helps people find uh, suitable and affordable housing. Uh, yeah. One of the things, though, that we've we've been supported in recently is called Home for Good. Describe that in a minute. Yeah, Home for Good is uh, another program where we uh, assist people um, finding housing, um, or residents to where uh, meet their needs. Some of these are uh, high acuity uh, clients that uh, have uh, can't really live on their own or need more support. So the Home for Good program allows our uh, our workers to go in and uh, spend time with them, with other agencies, and help them uh, navigate living a, a, a great life on their own in their own place. Whereas before they might be, uh, you know stayed in at the shelter or somewhere um, in a community care facility or something. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. so 
So recently, we've got a number of these different expanded capacities in our homeless shelter. Has this been all good news, or has there been a certain chaos to adding all of these expanded capacities? Oh, it's good news for sure. Like that's, um, you know, we want to serve and, and uh, be in the community. The timing could have been a lot better in my mind, starting all this in COVID. Um, <laughs> we've, um, you know, we've, I think, gone from two uh, housing first workers to, I think, eight or nine now. So the uh, clientele is up to almost 100 uh, clients that we deal with and trying to navigate with them and meet with them regularly with COVID it's hard and stressful and uh, with the limitations that are on and, and stuff but it's uh, it's challenging it's my I would say it's a lot stressful for the workers but uh, it's enjoyable knowing that uh, we've got these extra uh, uh, clients that we can reach out to and, and help move along hmm. now Another one of these expanded capacities that we receive funding for, we've never had this before, but in this, this latest round we receive funding for, is a role called peer support. And this is ultimately what I want to talk about because this is where you've landed now uh, on our staff. Tell us what peer support is and does. Well, it was explained to me um, that it's more of a social connection uh, with with somebody, uh, somebody that's gone through uh, lived experiences such as what our clients are going through um, and sort of, you know, helping navigate uh, along with their coaches, uh, moving forward in a, in a positive way, uh, letting them know that things will be okay. I can use my experience of going through some of the struggles that they're going through that uh, I can relay my story and share my story to them uh, and know that, uh, you know, there is hope and uh, and we'll get through it as a team. Yeah, in my mind, this is a remarkable position to have created this this peer support that mm -hmm. someone who has already journeyed through what we hope to help support residents to journey through would come alongside and be able to empathize with them experientially and personally. I see tremendous power in this role. What's mm -hmm. what's funny is when it came to us hiring for that position, Dave Nelder was the no-brainer for that role. I knew that from the beginning as I was talking to, at the time, Samantha, who was the interim uh, shelter director. Um, from your perspective, why were you the no-brainer for that role? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing probably, but it's, I've, got, uh, I've got a passion for it. Ever since I was a resident here, um, like I've said before, my life is, is done at 360. Um, I'm all about sharing my story. I've got no qualms about telling people what I've been through, um, dealing with uh, my shame and guilt and, and the sexual abuse that I went through and stuff, and just being able to open up and, um, and share it. Some people are not meant, uh, are a little different about their life's past and don't want to get involved in it. But I find um, that the more I open up um, and engage with people and let them know that, you know, we've all got a story to tell. Everyone's story is different, but, you know, you're more than welcome to uh, take it and uh, and open up and, and move along. And yeah, it's it's just fun being uh, engaging in, in helping someone. And obviously that is a powerful, powerful contribution in the whole hub that we're trying to wrap around a, a resident 
the peer support is a powerful contribution. From your perspective, Dave, what, what do you love about getting to play that role and what does it bring out in you? I, um, you know, I remember a couple of years ago when I met Theo Fleury and we had a chat and he uh, signed the book for me. He said, helping is healing. And it stuck with me to, to this day that uh, not only am I helping somebody else, but it's also helping me. I get the, uh, you know, the respect from the, the resident or the client that we're dealing with. And, and just to say to them, um, you know, at the end of the conversation, they go, oh, I am not alone. Um, you know, someone else has been through it, and I appreciate you telling me and stuff. And um, just knowing that, uh, you know, they're, the reward for them and me is just being able to get stuff off our chest. By no means am I a therapist or anything like that, but from my own experience, just having someone to listen to me and move along and, and just get it off my chest was such a great help. Dave, the beauty of what you're describing and providing is the essence of what we mean when we say friendship makes the difference because it makes a reciprocal difference, a difference in a person, but also a, a difference in us. And I feel like for those of us listening, you know, we're getting the sense that this is the very bullseye of what Jesus imagined his church being and what his, his followers as part of a church would do. And so I, I guess... As we, as we start to wrap this up, are, are there ways that other people in our church can be involved in helping you provide this kind of relational support to the homeless? Can we be part of this party too? Oh, the, the party door is always open. Um, you know, there's great opportunities, um, you know, at the shelter when things get back to normal, social volunteers, front desk volunteers, kitchen volunteers. The one thing I'd like to see is... Uh, work more on its community volunteers, uh, reaching out to members of the community, um, going a step further and uh, and being there for them. I've gotten many, many a call in the last couple of months from uh, former residents and members of the community that are just struggling right now with loneliness and depression and, and just a phone call, um, you know, once a week or just a check-in that we can do for them would be greatly appreciated, um, you know. Any donations right now, always welcome. Yeah, my question would be, how could someone in our community start doing that? How, who would they talk to, to to get that phone number, to make that phone call? How could they get connected in providing that kind of relationally-based support in a ministry like yours? Yeah, they can uh, reach out to Erica at uh, esinger at southridgechurch.ca. Um, then we can uh, set some stuff up through there. Yeah, Erica coordinates our mobilization of our volunteers and with voices like yours speaking into that, providing them opportunities and like you said, different needs uh, that you're becoming acquainted to, we can really help build that bridge between people in our community, people in the homeless community and, and really start to spark that friendship that makes a difference. That's amazing. Um, from your perspective, Dave, what does the future of our shelter ministry look like? Where's God taking this? That's going to take this to a new level, I think. It's going to, uh, you know, bring more uh, love and support and community in, into what we already have built. I like to see everything branch out, uh, you know, just get more people involved, um, walking alongside of people in our community and journeying with them um, and just open up what God's given us. And he's given us a heart full of love 
And uh, just that I ask everyone just to reach out and be compassionate, cheering, kind, and uh, do what we can in the community and build a community. And how do you see as God continues to grow and expand us in this way, how do you see God continuing to grow us as people and followers of his as we continue to serve the homeless? God's given us the tools and resources to to navigate and and following his lead and and being open, being honest, being humble. Um, we'll reach out. Um, there's many, many ways God's got this covered for us. Um, yeah, it's it's a unique situation that we're going into right now with COVID and everything that we're in, and it's uh, and and God still has got us and and keeping us moving forward. Dave, as you think about it, any sort of final encouragements or challenges <clears throat> to our members when it <clears throat> when it comes to being this kind of church, especially during this unprecedented time of crisis? Yeah, just be, uh, you know, keep the encouragement um, for staff and residents, um, you know, communication through uh, our services on Sunday and our podcast and, and staying in, in touch with uh, what's happening at the church during COVID. Um, continue to love one another. Continue to pray for, for everyone. And, uh, you know, it's like our slogan says, friendships make the difference, hope lives, and life is better in community. And uh, with our congregation and our, and our members, this can definitely uh, can be something we can build on in the, uh, in the coming months. Well, listen, man, thanks for taking a half hour or so out of your day and uh, sitting down with me and just sharing your heart with our community. I, I imagine people listening in who don't know you uh, are thrilled to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, I'm probably not allowed to say this publicly, but, you know, <laughs> when it comes to our staff and, you know, different favorites, uh, you and I have been close for some time. You're a very, very dear friend of our family. Yeah. And I just appreciate you so much and the story that you've been so open to telling and to sharing for other people's benefit and ultimately to pointing people to follow and give more glory to God. You're a real inspiration to me. And uh, I'm sure those of us listening have been inspired uh, through engaging in this conversation. So thanks, Dave, for joining us today. And uh, thanks to all of you for joining us for another week. We'll see you again next week as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everyone. Bye.